Welcome back to Pretty Good Vibrations, the show that both celebrates and analyzes pop and rock music and its crucial role throughout our lives. Today, I am joined by a comedian I enjoy a whole hell of a lot. We didn't mention it actually in our conversation, but I would highly recommend the Amazon Prime show, Inside Jokes. Uh, It chronicles Simon and a bunch of other comedians as they um, go to this Just for Laughs um, Montreal Comedy Festival showcase thing, which is a big deal in that world. Simon was so funny and uh, fell in love with him watching that, um, as well as just his other, his comedy specials and whatnot, which we get into very briefly. Uh, But Simon kind of walks me through the music that's been most important to him in his life. And I think there's a lot to really enjoy here. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we'll just get into it. Simon Gibson, man, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been a fan of yours for a few years now since my buddy Dan Young uh, sent me one of your clips and and asked me if I was into your comedy. And then uh, my wife and I even watched the ill-fated water sports misadventure uh, (laughs) game show. Oh, so it was you two guys who watched it. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, we were the two who watched it. Uh, yeah. but we we actually really enjoyed your work. You you did some kind of zany sideline reporting, I guess. Yeah, uh, contestant work. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, so yeah, the show was called Cannonball. It was basically a ripoff of Wipeout, yeah. uh, except with one twist. So usually the sideline reporter is a beautiful woman in a bikini, and they said no, no, no. Let's not have that. Let's get <laughs> this guy in a Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts to talk to people after they have had a serious injury. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, it was the funnest. It was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. I mean, literally, I just interviewed people after, you know, they got a concussion. And then, you know, I would say, so tell me, how did that feel? You know, and they were. And they would say, uh, you know, honestly, Simon, I just blacked out. And I'd be like, well, that's me every night. So hello. (laughs) And uh, then they were like, you can't say that. And then we would uh, reshoot. Let me just play a little like a one minute or so clip. So listeners who haven't, you know, heard your stuff or seen you on Instagram can get a little sense for what we're dealing with here. Oh, great. So this is a part of your recent special where you do Frank Sinatra skedaddling his way through famous <laughs> songs famous yeah movie theme songs movie yeah theme songs yeah yeah i'm a master at impressions everyone knows it uh simon gibson known for his impressions uh but i, I liked this clip about him doing star wars this is uh, frank sinatra and somebody just uh say a popular movie name and i'll sing it as frank batman no <laughs> Star Wars, thank God, thank you. Thank you for getting it. It was always gonna be Star Wars. It was never not gonna be Star Wars. Thank you for getting it. All right, so by popular demand, overwhelming, I would say. By overwhelming demand, this is Frank Sinatra singing the theme song to Star Wars. 
Squaddly ding dong, squaddly ding dong, some of their nerd shit, you'll never get laid. That's it, yeah, that's it. All right, so we're doing one of these dad's tape deck episodes, and the idea is it doesn't have to be your dad, and it doesn't have to be a tape deck, but who is a person, maybe the, the number one person in, in someone's life who introduces them or introduced them to meaningful music or to music in general? So oftentimes it is a dad or a mom. And in your case, it is, it is your dad. So you grew up in Portland. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know... <laughs> Don't kick me out of Hollywood, but I'm 38. I don't care. Who knows it anymore? <laughs> so I was born in uh, 1984. So my early days was, you know, grunge, you know. So I think Nirvana and, you know, of course, like Pearl Jam, all, all those bands, you know, I listened to those on the radio quite a bit. Which is interesting because, you know, my dad, who, you know, is the one who introduced me to, to music, I, I think he, you know, he was not uh, punk or, you know, grunge or anything like that. He, he really kind of was making music in a, in not the wrong time, but just a time where, you know, it wasn't necessarily popular. I mean, he, he was kind of a, um, you know, like a, a hippie, you know, acid doing you know not peace and love but just kind of that more sort of um well by the late 80s i mean nobody was doing peace and love anymore anyway right at all exactly if, if you were still doing the hippie thing you know it was a, a different flavor yeah and he was so uh <laughs> you know shout out to him to to you know just <laughs> keeping it real <laughs> so my dad was definitely you know, singer, songwriter, guitar player, you know, 60s, 70s era. You know, I, I know that uh, Paul, Paul Simon and I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the screen. You know, Bob Dylan uh, were, you know, his big influences. Take a woman like your kind to find the man in me. You know, some of my earliest memories is sitting with my dad when he would just put his guitar, you know, his guitar case, just open it up, post up on, on a street corner and start, you know, essentially like busking, you know, like start playing his guitar people would throw in money and you know they would see a, a cute kid next to him i i used to be cute folks i swear i'm i'm assuming they thought that you know we didn't have a home which we did yeah well i was going to ask like was this an economic thing was it you know was it for the love of it i think he just loved to play and uh, you know making some extra money wasn't wasn't a bad thing either you know yeah how old were you when he would busk with you with him approximately I mean, I think I was like four, four or five years old. Okay. And, uh, and I, I would, I would sing too, which is, uh, why one of the first songs, uh, you know, I chose is, you know, we, we would sing a lot of these songs together. 
Um, you know, and I, I look back on that, you know, super fondly. It was a really interesting time. Where does that rank in, in terms of like your warmest memories of your dad? Like how how close to the top is or, or are other ones that are close to the top that have music associated with them? I mean, I would I would say that's probably uh, at the top, you know, because I think at that time I still thought it was like the coolest thing in the world before, you know, you get you get a little bit older and then you start to get embarrassed of your parents, you know, so of course, yeah. But but I would I would rank that yeah in, in the in the top you know of just of just really I mean how many people can say that really you know that their dad would play music for money <laughs> on the street corner <laughs> how many people can say that folks <laughs> I do think no well I think that actually having you with him that is unique right so and that it does um, as long as he's like, you know, not disheveled looking and, and looks like he is, you know, well-fed and, and groomed and all that. I think having his son there, you know, sometimes singing with him is actually a very different sort of mental image than, you know, in the eighties and old hippie busking alone. Right. Like I, it, it has family band kind of uh flair to it. And, you know, it's like almost like the old days of, of show business, the kind of the two hander with the kid and the adult, you know, things that makes me think of like paper moon or whatever, a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's like, get out there, junior. We need to make a quarter, you know? And I'm like, yeah. If we don't do well, we're not eating. But I mean, you know, I do think it was essentially just, you know, he loved to perform and, you know, if he didn't, you know, and I think, you know, before I was born, you know, he probably went real hard on the on the gigging, you know, at, at night. And then, you know, it, you have kids and it's harder to to be at a bar, you know, playing music for three hours, you know, until one, two in the morning, you know. So I think that was definitely a way for him to, you know, get that sort of release, you know, that outlet and and just, you know, play. My dad was a therapist my whole life and just kind of like a kind of a public figure in our in our circles at our church, stuff like that, you know, in the community, uh, as much as you can be a public figure as a therapist when you're not allowed to tell anybody who anyone who your clients have been. Nobody knows exactly uh, who to ask if you're any good at your job. But um, I I kind of think. I'm becoming a therapist as well. You don't know that about me, Simon, but doing the podcasting and sort of like wanting to have this sort of public presence, I'm pretty sure I got a lot of that from him, from being around him growing up. My mom is not particularly that way. Do you think something similar happened with your dad and his music and you and your comedy, or is that a different origin story? Uh, no, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's pretty true. I mean, I, I think I was always, uh, you know, had that, performer bug you know before it was comedy growing up it was uh singing musicals plays you know i was kind of involved in all that stuff i just love to be on stage you know definitely seeing my my dad you know in that sort of spotlight i think inspired me but i performed with my dad but i was always kind of trying to entertain my mom <laughs> making her laugh and you know doing the whole dance i think that was but I, but I think no matter what, I would have, I would have had that, that juice and that itch, 
I'm sorry for blindsiding you. You know, this guy didn't say anything about being a therapist. Now he's got all these questions about my family. I thought we were going to talk about fucking rock <laughs> yeah. and roll. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is real hard to to get a, a new therapist right now. So, you know, I'm I'm actually counting this as, as a session, you know. I'm reaching out to some exes and I'm like, hey, I finally, I did it. Okay. I, sp- I spoke with someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did about an hour with somebody. Yeah, a professional. That's, I, that's all I need. You know, I don't. We're fine. <laughs> let's get into the first of the three songs this this one is one from your dad it's satisfaction by the rolling stones i don't need to really introduce the rolling stones i will say a little bit about the other two groups um but anything you want to say before i play a clip of of this song of course we've all heard it so maybe like what what should we what could we be picturing you know as like where would you have heard this from your dad yeah. and, and what, what would it have been playing on and all that so my dad had a uh, this like, I think it was a, I think it was like an old Chevy. I mean, I think from like the late fifties, it was like a two door coupe Chevy, but it had a tape deck in it. I remember that. So this is this is Dad's tape deck. It's just the tape. It's the tape deck in the car. In the car, yeah. And so you know, one of the things, you know, that that we would do is you know when he would drive me to school we would listen to the Rolling Stones, the Beatles. And, and I do just remember, I don't, I don't know if this was, you know, sort of, uh, an omen or, uh, yeah, to, to my later life, but, you know, something about, about satisfaction just gave me like, whether it was just the, the, the snare drums at the beginning, just that like, uh, the guitar, but something about it just clicked right away. And, uh, and it, and it became a song that, you know, I was like five, five, six years old that I just became obsessed with, you know? So is this the first song you remember like really loving? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Love that. All right. Well, let's hear a little clip. Of course we've heard it before, but now I'm going to picture, did you say the car was red? It was, I didn't, but it was, it was (laughs) a red car. I was picturing like a cherry red old, you know. And and the paint was like rusting. It was like chipping and and, okay. and falling off. And and I thought it was the coolest car in the world. And then like, you know, again like later, you know, I was like, oh yeah, all my other friends, their parents have like new cars. And but it was just one of those things that, I mean, as a five year old playing that this song in that car, windows down, belting it out. I'm picturing it as the it's the Burnside Bridge version of the full house shot of them going over the Golden <laughs> Gate. Okay, yeah, so, exactly. And the car's in not quite as good a shape, and but you're in there, yeah. and somewhere there's a guitar case in the back. Yeah, oh, that is that. Yeah, that is the new the Portland full house. just like i mean even now i'm like i guess i haven't listened to that song in a while <laughs> i'm just like ah! 
arms up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I kind of went was I grew up on the Beach Boys, uh, not the Stones, and not really mm. the Beatles. I didn't really get into them until college. But even just in that recording, just the not the chorus guitar where he turns on the distortion or whatever, but the just the main guitar part. I'm just like, this just sounds like 60s guitar playing and 60s guitar playing transports me to my own. I mean, we've been talking about childhood and stuff. And so it's interesting that through the production techniques and the equipment of the time, even that triggers something in my memory. That's just interesting to me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I guess I have the opposite thing where I, I didn't really discover or appreciate the beach boys until, until I was in my, in my twenties really, because I was like, I mean, the, the way they recorded those, it's just absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, this is, this is where my dad kind of had his quirks because like, you know, there was certain music that was just kind of like dismissed, I guess, in a way. So like, uh, you know, things that were more considered mainstream, I guess. I mean, even though obviously the Rolling Stones are, you know, the biggest band of all Everyone's time. Everyone's so got their own exceptions though, right? So yeah. Yeah. You can be a total hipster, but you like Carly Rae Jepsen, you know, or whatever. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. everyone's yeah. got a few. So your dad kept the Stones, you know, or the yeah. Beatles or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, I mean, satisfaction. It just, it does take me, take me back to that sort of moment of, um, yeah, just riding in that rusted red Chevy blast in this and, and like nothing, everything was, everything was new and fresh and fun kind of. And now, <laughs> everything everything's even more fun and fresh and we're all doing great you know it's there's nothing fine. to see here yeah what else would you hear i, I want to kind of fill out the soundtrack of that old chevy like yeah give me another song or two by stones or anybody that you would hear yeah so in that car. it's so it's so random because like you know it would be one of those things where we would listen to the same tapes you know, I feel like the doors was mixed in there. I don't think I really liked them as a kid, though. Or I'm I'm not actually. I didn't mean the doors. I actually meant Pink Floyd. It was a little too weird for yeah, me as a kid. You as know? a kid, yeah. And if anything, some of it I remember it kind of being scary. Oh, interesting. I like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But then this is so random. My, uh, He had a cassette tape of Aerosmith's Get a Grip. You're not you're not you're not to tell me twice. <laughs> and the first song on that. And this is kind of how like not how I live my life, but it's like the first song on it is Eat the Rich. And that's how you, and, that's okay, how you live so, your life, Simon. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just uh, I just you know, that's how I, I just eat the fuck out of the rich, man. That's what I do. That's my life. That's right. That's right. And uh, and so it's hilarious because uh, a lot of the times we would be listening to these tapes on my way to school. So so there's a lot of these uh, albums that for the longest time I only heard the first like four or five tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Cause then you'd get to school. Yeah. Cause then we'd get to school and I'd be like, okay, well I, I got to living on, on the edge, you know, that yeah. was like, 
I don't even think we'd finish that whole one because, uh, you know, because you couldn't <laughs> skip back then. You'd have to fast forward. You yeah, know? it's just yeah, it's too you much. Might trouble. as well just let it play. Yeah. But yeah, eat the rich. I just remember like because uh, it's just like eat the rich. There's only one thing that they're good for. <laughs> just like belting that out. I definitely had this tape. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, Aerosmith is one of the like richest, you know, commercial, you know, you could kindly say, you know, sell out bands. But, yeah. you know, and for like the last 15 to 20 years, too, not like they were a brand new band. They got big in the 70s. No, <laughs> no this this out. I mean, I'm looking at it. It came out in 1993. They had long since. Yeah. yeah, this is not like I think this is at least their fourth or fifth album or something, you know, 11th album. So, yeah, just hilarious that their song like, you know, railing against the rich when they're true, truly uh, just a incredibly worldwide sellout. Band. <laughs> Wealthy arena playing band. Well, let's let's hear it, because I haven't heard this in I don't know how long, but I definitely had this. Record, oh, me so neither. Let's hear it. Wrong side of the bed And how I got to thinking About all those things you said About ordinary people And how they make you sick And if calling things kicks back on you Then I hope this does the trick Cause I'm sick of you complaining About how many bills And I'm sick of all your bitching About your pools and your pills And I just can't see no humor About your way of life And I think I can do more for you With this here for One bite down, come back for more. Come back for Ugh. more. Did he say, well. I thought it was one of the best songs of all time when I heard it. And, <laughs> you know, hearing it now, I'm I'm happy that I was correct still. What oh, a, yeah. Um, wow. You just had incredible music. taste at at, oh, uh, yeah. at nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's not doing it for me. Uh, I do. I think I definitely would have skipped ahead to. Like I was, I was a living on the edge, crying, yeah, crazy crying. man yeah. myself, and yeah. uh, uh, amazing. I remember being really into the song, amazing. So maybe I, I might have skipped "Eat the Rich." I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it is the first track. It's, it's great that that's the very first song in the album is eat the rich i don't want to yeah <laughs> it's like i don't know if this is accomplishing what you guys think it is accomplishing. <laughs> yeah yeah i know from it's like princess bride it's like i don't think you mean what it think you think it means so, i don't want to uh, make this like a two dudes doing uh puberty nostalgia sort of a show here but like as i look at the living on the edge crying crazy i'm reminded that i don't know if those are the three songs they might be the three songs that alicia silverstone did three Aerosmith videos in a row and um, her role at the right time in my development can hardly be overstated. Yeah. We, I feel like we got to play. Should we go crying or crazy? I'm leaning crying. Uh, yeah.
That's uh there's something there. I might after after this is over, I might I might bust out this whole album again. What do I care? It is kind of funny though that like this was not conscious, but we really went from uh like A movie to B movie. We went from Rolling Stones to Aerosmith. So I know, truly, truly just the uh the skim milk uh version. All right, let's 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 move on. So that was that was sort of dad's <laughs> music era. And now we're talking about little emerging adult Simon. Uh, this first, this next track comes out when you're 18. It's Broken Social Scene. The song is called Stars and Sons. Let me do just a little bit of Broken Social Scene um, setup for people who don't know this band. They are the original indie collective. They were founded in Toronto in 99. The current band member list on Wikipedia shows 27 band members. You know how those always have a former members? There are no former members of Broken Social Scene. Wow. I think once you buy into the co-op, you're you're a member for life. It's like REI yeah. or whatever. Of course, a lot of the members of Broken Social Scene um, are and have been famous for being in other bands like Feist, Metric, and Stars. If you listeners haven't heard the 2000s indie rock tournament episodes, Broken Social Scene um, feature pretty prominently in those. And their first album, Feel Good Lost, was out in 01. It was mostly instrumental. And then in 02 came the breakthrough. You forgot it in People. And this has Stars and Suns on it. Uh, Simon, anything you want to tell us before we listen to that track? Yeah, I did not discover this band until, you know, probably six, maybe even seven years later. Yeah. I moved, uh, I'm from Portland, but I moved to L.A., about 15 years ago who what and um when i moved here i was uh, i was about 23 and i remember the christmas before i moved to la i got an ipod nano yes huge moment for me <laughs> i'm actually i'm trying to picture the actual person for whom not a full ipod but an ipod nano would be yeah. truly a big moment for them yeah i know because i was like well it was, you know it was a christmas gift and they were like well you know i'm like oh not the full ipod and they're like well you know this was still like two hundred dollars you know oh my like gosh. yeah yeah you're right oh wait you still have to like put all this music on it and i didn't have any music you, you know like I had some CDs, but like I didn't have, I didn't even have a proper computer yeah. to put to put this music on. So I remember my next door neighbor, you know, he was a he was a real tech guy, and and he had a Mac and he had like thousands of songs. And this was uh, before I moved to LA. Uh, I lived in this like pretty cool apartment complex in a nice like part of Southeast Portland. And he was my next door neighbor and he knew that I was moving and he was like, hey, come over, look at all my music and just start putting stuff on there. Even even at that point, like 22, 23, I don't think I really had like a diverse uh, music collection or even like music taste, you know. And so, you know, I was kind of going and a lot of stuff I didn't even recognize. And then he was like, oh, have you heard of this band? I'm going to put a couple of their albums on there and it was broken social scene along with like, I mean, 
tons. It was really my first introduction to to indie music. And and I I mean, I don't want to just blanket and say good music, but like good music that wasn't necessarily on the radio. Yeah, you're 25-ish and you have, you know, you've stuff you like that has been kind of in the wider culture, but yeah. this clicked something in for you about, oh, pursuing music on purpose to find yeah. things you wouldn't have found that wouldn't have come to you. And it was through yeah. uh, the egregious theft of digital music. So. Yeah. Um, thanks for admitting to a crime. I am a mandatory reporter because I'm a therapist. Oh, good. So, you know, well, we'll I just, think he, yeah. he, I think he actually, I, I'm just going to say he had paid for all this, you know, <laughs> and gave it to me for free. Yeah. So I was, I, I, I think 23 when I, when I moved, when I moved to LA. And so I kind of equate it. Yeah. With, with discovering a new kind of genre of music and also you know, at the same time, living in a new place. You I know? was just going to ask, is is this one of those new city songs for you that you associate with that uh, move? A hundred percent. Yeah. This whole album, it just basically reminds me of the, that first year or two in L.A. where it was just like, what is this, you know? And I, when I moved, to, when I moved here, I didn't have a car, so... Uh, I lived in in West LA and I worked in Santa Monica and I would take the bus to work and I would this was one of the albums that I would pretty much listen to every day. Okay, so now we're imagining another Simon again in transit yeah. west oh, yeah. westward because I was imagining you going from East Portland southeast into downtown. So you're in my mind you're still going west, but mm -hmm. you're on Ventura Boulevard. Or or what? Santa Monica? Yeah, Venice Boulevard. Venice yeah. Boulevard. And you're in the bus and you're oh, yeah. fresh faced Portlander down looking at toned, tight, tan bodies on oh, Venice yeah. Boulevard. And oh, uh yeah. hearing Stars and Suns about Broken Social Scene. So this song, it uh, it actually starts because that was kind of in the middle. But it, the way yeah. it starts, it almost feels like a like a sunrise, or it feels like mm. you're you're like just waking up, kind of. Uh, it's got this really great buildup. You know, because there's no necess. I wouldn't say there's like a chorus. Some of these songs are more just really catchy things repeated over and over again uh, yeah. on that record. Yeah. Yeah. Something about hearing this, it, every time I hear it, it feels like like waking up. I mean, when I after I sent this this song to you, I <laughs> probably for the last week I've I've been listening to it again uh, for the first time in I mean years, and it's weird. It's like uh, it's almost like I forgot about this band completely. And and then kind of came back to it and, and it 
you know, kind of filled me with these with these memories of like just moving here and just being full of not I don't want to say hope, but just full of like new experiences. Everything was new, you know. Were you not full of hope or you just think that that's cliche? I, yeah, I don't I mean, I, I feel like I had like a a certain sort of like. I don't even want to say hope. I want to say like naivete. Like I was just really ignorant to to what city really was and and clueless in a way, in a, in a good way, you know, I think. And 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 uh, yeah, and I just had this sort of whimsy that, you know, it's that I, I think I still, you know, I still do have. But it's, you know, it's easy to it's so easy to get jaded and cynical here and, you know uh and even bitter so you know hearing stuff like this i do think i need to remind myself you know of those feelings that i had when i first moved here and 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 music has always kind of helped me to like trigger positive feelings because it takes me back to a certain place and uh when i i don't even know why i just picked that song because it it wasn't even really anything i'd been thinking about but when when you said that i was like oh yeah that really did you know, it was a very memorable and significant time in my life. And this album and this song especially was like a huge part of that. I asked you for, you know, tracks that were particularly meaningful to you. Right. And so that's interesting that it kind of came forth from a only partially conscious sort of corner of your mind or whatever. So you haven't listened to Broken Social Scene. Do you have playlists from sort of, you know, those those at indies, uh, sorry, that aughts indies stuff? Yeah. That you, do you go back to this genre or this artist for any particular reason you find? You know, I think one thing I do, I do try to do is listen to new music, you know? I, like, it's easy for me to just be like, oh, the the late aughts and the early 2010s, that's, that was the good stuff, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And, yeah. and it's easy to get stuck in that time. And, you know, so, I mean, maybe it was better. I don't know, but it is, uh, you know, I do try to, to at least, uh, explore, you know, newer music. So, so, so sometimes, you know, things that you listen to a lot kind of get, get lost in a way. And so definitely since then, like I've been, you know, revisiting like, yeah, yeah, yes. And like, you know, the shins and all, all these sort of, you know, um, garden state soundtrack bands, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. That... <laughs> I was happier than with no mindset. And if you turn to me What does it do? What's it do when you listen? Does it does it take you back? Does it make you feel a certain way? What do you think it's doing? As an elder millennial, you know, I think I think we're, you know, just obsessed with the nostalgia, you know. I and so going back to these these times, it's like really, I mean, it was. I don't want to say simpler, but it just was kind of a more easy time to exist in a lot of ways back when like... white people were allowed to play actual instruments right <laughs> and be famous yeah. <laughs> that's the dumbest possible way to put it yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i don't quote me on that don't <laughs> no, quote that, me on that but obviously yeah. I, I, that was a bit but um <laughs> i mean you can't help but notice and you can't help but notice yourself 
getting curmudgeon. I mean, I can't help but notice that I get curmudgeon-y a little bit about like, so is it, so it's all just going to be synths now and, and drum machines? Like, is that, Yeah. have we decided that, that we're, we're kind of, that's all we need? And uh, of course, under the hood, listening more closely, a lot of, you know, hip hop and other stuff does have other uh, really interesting organic instrumentation. But, you know, a lot of EDM is the kind of thing that I don't think will ever really appeal to me. And it's interesting to me, it, it's probably like a two-way mirror with people to whom it really does appeal uh, or exclusively that they're like, why would you want to be get your fingers all messy on that thing? You know, just just uh, use a computer. I don't know. I, I can't even really picture yeah. it. I mean, if you look at someone like, um, you know, uh, I can't remember where, I think I went down a TikTok rabbit hole and it was somebody who was like di- dissecting Fat Boy Slim, mm-hmm. how, you know, it's literally all samples. He's not yeah. playing any instrument, but it's uh, the way they looked at it is like, you know, think of it like a collage instead of, yeah. you know. He's, uh, to quote Steve Jobs, in at least through the pen of Aaron Sorkin, uh, he's playing the orchestra, right? He's he's not just playing an instrument. Uh, he's doing yeah. something with the sum of the parts that is, I mean, just so cool. I mean, the stuff that he does is blows my mind. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. God bless KCRW and NPR for for playing new music uh, that that isn't on the radio, the you know the regular radio because that's right. that's I mean the best way that I you know kind of stay informed is um, is the morning becomes eclectic and then you know some of their yeah. other you know music shows where I'm like oh and and also things that things that I'm shocked that I never heard before that came out you know I mean there's so much music from from the 80s 90s and you know i mean up until the 2000s where i'm like how did i never hear this band you know they're right in the wheelhouse of what i was listening to you know so yeah you can go so far back now and uncover things that you missed and but also part of me then just thinks well the the every hour i spend doing that is an hour i'm not spending listening to something that someone is making today and and not really knowing how to do the the value trade off there but such is yeah. uh such as our era let's move to our final track this is by lcd sound system um again we've covered them uh especially on the second part of the post-punk walkthrough episodes but they were formed in brooklyn in 2002 by james murphy who writes the songs sings produces plays a lot of the instruments but he's also got a killer band that plays a lot of those instruments with him I would argue they're the greatest American dance punk band of any era. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, They started releasing singles, 02 to 04, first self-titled album in 05. 2007, Sound of Silver won Album of the Year on Pitchfork, back when that mattered. And then in 2010, we get their third, This Is Happening. Uh, And the track that you chose is from this record. It's called Home. And I love this song. Anything you want to say to kind of put us in the space of what we should be thinking as we hear this for for your life? This was a band that was introduced to me uh, by someone 
who also kind of, you know, introduced me to a whole new genre of music, which was like, you know, this hot chip caribou, you know, this kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, punk rock dance music, I would I would say that was just that was I mean, at the time, I was like, I've never heard anything like this, you know? Yeah. And, and I didn't even hear, I didn't even discover LCD sound system in any of these guys uh, until like 2013, you know? So, yeah. and I know they, they got back together LCD sound system, but at the time they had already, you know, they were already done. Yeah. You know? So it's interesting. There's kind of a, a different person for each of these songs. It sounds like for you that in, you know, in each case sort of opened your eyes to uh, an entire really kind of an ecosystem, uh, its own ecosystem. You got the kind of classic rock and, and other classics from your dad. You got 2000s indie and you like gar- with Garden State at the uh, centrifugal center of it all, the Garden State soundtrack from your neighbor. And then who's this person in 2013? Uh, yeah, so this, I mean, this was a, a long time, uh, you know, partner, uh, girlfriend, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I remember she was like, you know, so so cool and just had like great taste. And, um, and we were always kind of like, you know, she was the first person that I don't want to say like challenged, but like kind of showed me to like, oh, let's like dig deep and go down some rabbit holes and really try and find some new, new music, you know? And we would always kind of be like, Hey, have you heard of this? Oh no. Oh, but have you heard of it? And it was kind of this like, you know, sort of uh, back and forth, like a, a one-upping. Foreplay, like... basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm the best at, you know? We're just going to get you almost to the point and then fall asleep. But, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this was like one of the, this wasn't the, the first song by them that made me go like, oh, shit, I love this. But this is the one that's kind of had the, the the lasting power of of still kind of you know affecting me so hard to play LCD sound system songs for this podcast when I try and keep clips around 30 seconds because oh, I know. you can't do anything in 30 seconds with an LCD sound system. <laughs> I know. Well, this is like an average song for them and it's almost eight minutes, you know? Yes, exactly. Uh, so that, that is the un- unfortunate cost of, of the format here. Uh, but man, it was, it was hard to press stop on that because I just wanted to groove with it. Like, you can just go yeah. and go and go. It's it's hypnotic in the best way. Because I I believe on the like original album, this is the last song on the record. I think that's right. These are some uh, bonus tracks or whatever. Yeah, bonus the, tracks on there. Yeah. yeah. 
so this was the last song on the last album you know ah, at the time at the time that's right you know i mean it's just kind of all about like endings you know and you know there's a line you know where it's uh where he's like you're afraid of what you need if you weren't i don't know what we talk about and it's just Such like a line. As, as as you know and, and any relationships and you know especially like knowing so many just damaged artists and comedians especially who just like constantly talk in this sort of circular you know it's like they're telling you the problem over and over and they don't see it and they're literally saying it you know and so it's just like how many times can you tell me <laughs> the same thing this issue you know that's where it's nice to be a therapist, man, because you can just say, hey, you know, you're paying for this. You can kind of challenge on that and there is precedent to do it. So you yep. don't so you don't have to. That's not the reason you push them, of course, it's so they get better. But the benefit is you don't have to get bored listening to the same thing over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and also, I mean, the, the song is just, you know, musically, even though it is very like, you know, the tone of what he's saying is pretty somber and, and, you know, sad and, and, and hopeful still. But, uh, but then the, the actual, like the music is so fun and you just, you want to dance and move around. I mean, it's really just an all-time great song, in my opinion. I would put it on, you know, any of my li- – if I had to ever make a, you know, top ten songs, you know, I would – I guess I'd put all three of these, but especially this one. What When do you find yourself listening to it recently these days? Like, is there a particular purpose for putting it on? LCD is, is definitely one of, one of the groups that – you know, I never stopped listening to at once. I, I mean, you know, I, I yeah, didn't even same, discover yeah. it until like 10, 11 years ago. But as soon as I did, I was like, oh, I'll be listening to this, to these records for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. You know, if I need to like jumpstart my day and get motivated, you know, I'll put, I'll put it on, you know, if I, if, you know, I'm having people over and I need, you know, some sort of background or, you know, yeah just fun you know it's it's i mean it's such a they're just such a multi-purpose group you know uh and i know it's you know mostly just james murphy but it's like once i realized that he had a whole live band too and that it's like it's like edm it's dance music but it's you know they're really playing all these instruments it, it also was like holy shit you know i yeah, love that it's really it he really has kind of found probably the perfect sort of electronic organic blend by having mm-hmm. you know almost everything be played by people um even if they're playing synths or keyboards or whatever but you know it's yeah. almost all real drums you know they the occasional drum machine stuff and it's just oh he's just his taste is is impeccable i think i go to them for two different reasons and i think that this album has for instance two songs like like home you know i go to that that's catchy but it's got those it's got lyrics that are kind of 
there's some sadness or some darkness to them. There might be some longing or, you know, anxiety about growing old, these kinds of lyrics that yeah. I think he's so good at. And then there are songs like Drunk Girls, which is like yeah. a great kind of, you know, three minute, like Velvet Underground as dance punk and just super catchy. And I will put it on in more of like a party kind of a mood. Let, let's let's yeah. hear a little bit of Drunk Girls. As a, as a, a you know a comedian <laughs> professionally, <laughs> folks, I mean his lyrics sometimes are so fucking funny, so funny that I'm just like, this is comedy too. You know, it's like to me, it's perfect. You know. Well, Simon, to me, you're perfect, and I'm oh, come so on. grateful. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for digging under the hood. And, you know, yeah. talking about your family and, and some meaningful shit to you. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for that. This is so fun. And now I'm like, now I'm just going to go listen to <laughs> LCD sound system and, and punch air. Where can people find, I'll obviously have a link to your Instagram account, but where else would you like people to, to look for tour dates or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, please follow me on Instagram. It's the only thing uh, that matters anymore. And, um, you know, on there I have a, I, you know, in my bio, I have a link to, you know, all my shows. I'm I'm pretty much in, in L.A. for for most of um, uh, the summer. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, really just follow me on on Instagram and freaking TikTok. It's at Simon Gibson. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm all over L.A., uh, do shows all the time. So, please. Check me out, dude. It's a fitting new slogan. Instagram. It's the only thing that matters now. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's what True I tell for people. a lot I, of people, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to I'll, I have this bit at the end of my uh, set sometimes where I'll like find someone in the front row and I'll I'll make them pull their phone out and then look me up on Instagram. And you think that I'm just going to have them follow me. But then I just have I, I get them to find the Simon Gibson right below me. And then I'll just be like, can you just block him? <laughs> I'm like, if there's only one time we get, that's pretty much the same thing. So, um, yeah. <laughs> We're living in hell. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you so much for joining. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, this is super fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs>